0: Fifty-three years ago when I broke my neck and became a quadriplegic in a wheelchair, I tell you it's not easy every morning when you have to face someone who gives you a bed bath, Mm. someone who toilets you and wipes your backside, someone who has to wipe your runny nose, or someone who has to brush your teeth or feed you in a restaurant, someone who empties urine from your leg bag, someone who let's say might have to have a colostomy, for me human dignity was turned on its head, Jim.
1: That's Johnny Erickson Tada describing just a few of the enormous challenges that she's faced with her disability since she was only 17 years old. And yet Johnny has dedicated her life as an advocate for those who are overlooked and devalued in our society, preborn children, the elderly, those with terminal diagnosis, and people like herself who have obvious special needs. Hi, I'm Bill Benjamin, and this is Focus on the Family, today with a special message on the value of all human life. We'll be listening to an interview with Johnny erickson Tata that Focus on the Family president Jim Daly and program host John Fuller did with her in November of 2019. This special live recording took place before a gathering of some Focus on the Family friends in Southern California. Johnny's message is so honest, heartfelt, and powerful— I think you'll catch the enthusiasm of the audience as you listen to this program. Let's go ahead and hear that interview now on today's Focus on the Family.
2: Hey, we're so glad um, you, the listener, can be with us today, celebrating the sanctity and value and dignity of all human life. And uh, I'm telling you, you respond when we have this topic on the Focus on the Family broadcast. You know, as the Bible says in Genesis 126, we were created in the image of God and we all, from the moment of conception to the end of our lives, possess great worth and value in God's eyes. And I don't care what state you're in um, or what your situation is, God cares for you. Uh, Tragically, many people today don't embrace these values. They don't see the point in caring for preborn children, uh, the disabled, orphans, which I was one, or the elderly, um, they consider the weak and vulnerable to be a burden to our society. And unfortunately, that's a growing attitude within our culture. That's why we're here, to remind our world of these values and affirm our commitment to protect, rescue, and advocate for life. And we're honored to be joined um, in this effort by our good friend, Johnny erickson Yeah, Johnny
3: is such a well-known author. Yes. <clears throat> I think they love you, Johnny. I was just going to say, Johnny is obviously a beloved person, a well-known author, radio host, artist, and a wonderful pro-life champion. Um, Her organization, Johnny and Friends, 40 years of ministry. That is tremendous.
2: 40th Uh, anniversary. That's right. Yep.
3: Johnny and Friends serves individuals and families globally with disabilities in some amazing ways. And just congratulations for all that.
0: Thank you for that.
2: It's great to have you.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I love this topic, sanctity of life, because as we all know, we live in a culture of contradictions, don't we? On one hand, society says that it extols human dignity. But on the other hand, it also says you might be better off dead than disabled. If you are so old that you are eating up those precious, scarce healthcare dollars, maybe it just might be your duty to die. Or if that child within your womb is preborn and has some sort of physical defect, Well, we know its quality of life would be very poor, so give us the option to end that life early and spare you parents the misery of raising a child with a disability. We don't buy that one bit, do we, gentlemen?
2: we do not. In fact, uh, Johnny, you speak often about that idea of human dignity and what it means, and I think we need to define that word. I mean, what does dignity mean to the human being?
0: Well, dignity is um, the right of a person to be valued and respected, Um, for their own sake, and to be treated uh, ethically. Um, The English word, I think, means worthiness, but if you really wanna understand human dignity, we gotta go right back to the Bible, because we are created in the image of a God who values life, I mean, look at Jesus. Look what he said of himself. I am the prince of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I have the words to life. He's all about life. Life is so precious. And because we are stamped in his image, we are to treat each other with respect and human dignity.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's powerful right there. Right. We are going to acknowledge uh, some people struggle in this life. They are in some very serious valleys, and that's part of your testimony. Yeah. Um, You share a story about a young girl, I think her name was Jillian, um, who was born with Down syndrome. Uh, Describe what happened to Jillian and how that represents an inconsistent appreciation for the dignity of human life today. Well,
0: Jillian... um was a shy and a happy 12-year-old with Down syndrome, and when the family moved to a new town, uh, Jillian's parents um, opted for cosmetic surgery to make Jillian's appearance more typical. They they wanted to hide Jillian's disability to make her more, quote, socially acceptable. But um, sadly, they were violating that young girl's human dignity. Now, some might say, well, she's just a little girl. If it's a question of her dignity being violated, that child lacks the cognitive capacity to experience any kind of dignity. People on hospital ethics committees really are saying that. That's they amazing. actually are. But if you take a thought like that to its logical conclusion, then why not let the Alzheimer's patient run around without clothes on? Why not let the mentally disabled person in a psychiatric institution eat off the floor? That's where that kind of logic would take us. No, we need to preserve the the God-blessed dignity of a child like Jillian and not conform her to society's norms, but change this. So- How about we change society? Yeah. Don't you think so? Yeah. To understand and appreciate and accept a child like Jillian. She doesn't have to go through a cosmetic optional surgery, which incidentally was extremely invasive and probably a little dangerous, don't you think? Mm. That's such
2: a sad
3: story. It must have reflected a parent's deep pain for them to even consider going down that road,
0: Johnny. Absolutely. I think they were motivated by fear and misinformation. Um, And the sad thing is, is that we as Christians, you know, the, the Bible talks about not only being hearers of God's word, but doers of it. Her parents would have no doubt changed their perspective had they known other children with Down syndrome, other parents, Christian parents perhaps. In fact, um, today, gentlemen, I downloaded... John, grab that piece of paper there. I downloaded this document from the National Institutes on Health, okay? This is an abstract from a study that was published in the American Journal of Medical Genetics. And this is what it says... This study researched 284 people with Down Syndrome ranging in age from 12 and older. And what it says here, of these Down Syndrome individuals who were interviewed, 99% of them with Down Syndrome indicated that they were happy with their lives. 97% liked who they are. And 96%, and I bet Julian could have included herself here, 96% like what they looked like. They enjoyed, they wow. liked their appearance. Think of that. Absolutely, and this study went on to say that they further encouraged healthcare professionals to value them and emphasizing that they share similar hopes and dreams as people without Down syndrome. And overall, the overwhelming majority of people with Down syndrome surveyed indicated they live happy and fulfilling lives. I want you guys to applaud that. Yeah. That's a powerful fact. Sure yeah. 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 Is that Trevor? Trevor. In case the audience in case our listening friends are wondering why all the applause 29-year-old Trevor just stood up on the front row. He has Down syndrome. Trevor, I bet you think your life is pretty happy, don't you? Yeah. I thought, okay, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> and Jim and John, if only Jillian's parents had, had known some of those children, some of those parents who were surveyed in that National Institutes of yeah.
2: Health study. Yeah, it's a stunning study, and it supports the idea that maybe other people don't know what's good for you. Exactly. Right? I mean, exactly. that's the bottom line. I think even for those that have different situations, your situation is a quadriplegic. Uh, for 50 years, Johnny, you have lived, you know, dependent upon that chair. And that's an amazing thing. And yet you're buoyant. Well, Why? I, wasn't I mean, old. let me ask it this way. The tough <laughs> question. And not many people get a word over Johnny. That was pretty good. But Johnny, let me say it this way. The tough question. Why does your life have value?
0: Well, 50 years ago, I didn't think it did. 53 years ago, when I broke my neck and became a quadriplegic in a wheelchair, I tell you, it's not easy every morning when you have to face someone who gives you a bed bath, Mm. someone who toilets you and wipes your backside, someone who has to wipe your runny nose, or someone who has to brush your teeth or feed you in a restaurant, someone who empties urine from your leg bag, someone who, let's say, might have to have a colostomy. For me, human dignity was turned on its head, Jim, yeah. when I was first injured. And when I learned that I was gonna be a lifelong quadriplegic, oh my goodness, somebody handling my spit, my runny nose, my urine, feed me in a restaurant, well, let's get to the heart of it. Not many people, for most people, that's beneath their dignity and trading your autonomy for a lifetime of pain and inconvenience, most would say that. That's no quality of life, that girl has no quality of life. But if comfort and convenience and autonomy determine your life value, then I tell you what, in this day and age, your last straw at dignity is to choose, with what little autonomy you might have left, to choose something like physician assisted suicide. And most people, for a medically fragile, let's say, a ventilator-dependent quadriplegic, if that individual chose to end his life in any one of nine states, including the District of Columbia, where physician-assisted suicide laws are legal, all it would take would be a quick court ruling to expand the definition of terminal illness, and that quadriplegic might be escorted into a final exit that, years later, he might not want. I've got to tell you something real quick. When I was in the hospital, I had uh, a roommate named Ada. Now, I was stuck on a geriatric ward for almost a year. This was back in the 60s before there was a lot of good rehabilitation centers. And in our six-bed ward, Ada was from West Virginia. She had a broken neck. She was terribly depressed. And she would spend her days, Jim, sitting in her wheelchair in the room, and on her table lap board, she had like a a little tray with a tiny tube, and in it, nurses or aides would stick cigarettes, because back then you could smoke in a hospital or a rehab center, (laughs) really, you could. And they would stick her cigarettes in this tray, and there was a long tube that she held between her teeth, and she'd pull on that tube and inhale that smoke, and then let it out slowly, pull on that tube, Inhale that smoke, let it out slowly. Mm. One day I passed her on the way to physical therapy and I said to her, Ada, you're gonna kill yourself doing that. (laughs) And she said, that's the point, isn't it? Wow. This this young girl was trying to engineer her own death. But the sad thing is, years later, when she was released from that rehab center, she came to know Jesus Christ as her personal savior.
2: Yeah, amazing.
0: Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) In, in the... but, but by that time, it was too late.
2: Oh.
0: Lung cancer had uh, gripped her lungs. Her lungs were black. And this young girl, well, she wasn't a young girl at that point. She was much older by then. But by that time, she lost her life. And it was too late. She found too late that her life was worth living. And that's why I think this program that we're doing today and friends of ours here in Orange County gathered, we've got to be not just hearers of this kind of pro life speak, we've got to be doers. We've got to befriend those like Ada who are despairing because of deep depression and help them understand that Jesus Christ makes
2: life worth living. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the point.
1: Johnny Erickson Tada on today's Focus on the Family, and we'll get right back to that interview in just a moment. By the way, Jim Daly is about to mention an event that took place in New York City. He's referencing a public pro-life event focused on the family presented in that city in May of 2019 called Alive from New York. It took place right in the middle of New York's famous Times Square, and featured, among other things, projections on huge video screens of live ultrasound pictures of a baby in the womb. It was quite an amazing event, and Jim Daly talks about how the public reacted to that event coming up in today's program. Let's get back now to our interview on today's Focus on the Family.
2: You know, in fact, I love this scripture, and people hear, hear me say it frequently. Uh, God is close to the broken heart and saves those crushed in spirit. And I can't imagine a place where people are crushed more than when you're, uh, you know, suffering in a disability. Johnny, uh, you know, emphasizing the pro-life area, again, because I think the cruelty of it, the blindness, and I know uh, some might even say as we talk about people that are blind, uh, Chuck Colson said something to me that I, I'm sure he's said on the radio or some other program. But he said, you know, Jim, we don't get mad at the blind man who steps on our foot. And I think in this context, when we talk about the culture, I'm mindful of the fact that people don't see it. They don't get it. It's, it can be very uh, frustrating for us that they don't understand why we're pro-life. In fact, when we were in New York, people were throwing terrible uh, vulgarities at us as we were on the stage, spitting, throwing things at the mobile unit where we were about to do this third trimester uh, ultrasound. And I remember we stopped and just prayed for them, openly, publicly. Lord, we pray for these people that the scales would fall from their eyes, that they would see why uh, we talk about life. How do you balance that? Kind of the Peter in the garden. I always loved Peter in the garden strapping on the sword, you know? I think a lot of guys in this room would do that. Now, I don't think we'd be aiming for the guy's ear, <laughs> but the point of that is Stephen, filled with the Spirit of God, is able to pray for those killing him with the presence of mind to say, Lord, don't hold this against them. How do we develop more of a Stephen attitude, especially especially in this place where frustrations can run high? Arguments can run deep. Emotions can get the best of us. So how do we manage that?
0: Well, first, I think we need to remember that when those people in New York were spitting at you and throwing tomatoes and cans at you... You got that about right. Well, it shouldn't surprise us because Satan absolutely hates us, the epitome of God's creation. Mm. We are the epitome. We are the most excellent example of of God's creative genius and as I said earlier Satan is a liar he's a murderer he's an accuser of the brethren and of course he's going to do everything he's going to push the crowds he's going to motivate people to kill the very thing that God absolutely loves and sent his own son to die for so I, I think we need to remember that we are up against a fierce enemy um, I heard Chuck Swindoll preach this past Sunday, and he was in the book of Job, and he was explaining that in Hebrew, the, the, the name for Satan is Hasatan. Isn't that creepy? <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a snake? I mean, we are up against a fierce enemy, so let's remember that it is a satanic devilish scheme that incites people against those who are pro-life. It is the devil who causes people to throw the cans and the tomatoes and to curse those who are so strongly pro-life, which puts the onus on us to come back and reflect the love and the mercy of the Lord Jesus as best as we are able. That's absolutely
2: right. I've kind of said it this way, I've not encountered a testimony where a person has said to me, those Christians were so tough on me, they treated me so poorly, I decided to become one of them. (laughs) You just don't encounter that testimony, it's the love of God through us, through our attitude, that people are changed, because they can't understand it. It's Stephen, not Peter, in the garden.
0: And let's remember that pro-life is not just campaigning for that pre-born child in the womb but it is encouraging and serving that mother of that special needs child, embracing her in our fellowship, providing resources as best we can, connecting her with ministries and organizations who can, who can support her. I mean, we've got to be pro-life, not just as it concerns pre-born children in the womb, but that child born with Down syndrome, or born with Trisomy 18, or born with muscular dystrophy, or born with autism. I mean, I I know pastors who have really struggled because, well, there are some children with autism in their Sunday school classrooms who are just having meltdowns. They're going ballistics. They're peeing on Sunday school room wall. And the knee-jerk response to something like that is to go up to the parents and say, well, um, we wish we could accommodate your child here at our church, but... We think there must be other congregations that are better suited to serve your family's needs. I'm sorry, but, but we just can't welcome you back here.
2: Well, in fact, we don't even take the time to create that list yeah. that we can give you. Mm. I okay. mean, that's amazing. Right?
3: Yeah. I, I, on, on the flip side, there are churches, lots of good churches. Um, we have the privilege of attending one that has accepted our son who has some special needs. I don't think he peed on the walls, but he, he did other things. <laughs> He did lots of other things. And one time I was talking to our pastor's wife, and I said, what was that about last week? And she said, oh, that was just that substitute teacher. He needs to get over it and just let your son be, his, be himself. And I thought, that is a picture of grace and yes. acceptance. And yes. we needed that uh, yeah. desperately. Not the judgment that you must be a poor parent, but that welcoming attitude that says, this child is part of our family. We're going to love on him and accept him for who he is, even though it's uncomfortable at times.
0: Absolutely. My friend Jackie uh, Fernald, who was head of Access Ministries at McLean Bible Church in McLean, Virginia, I mean, she's told me many a story of wrestling that kid with autism down on the Sunday school floor and just helping him get over that, that meltdown, providing what's called uh, proprioceptive input that is, quote, deep pressure therapy where you just hold fast and hold tight to a kid who is uh, having a meltdown and give him orientation, give him that feeling of security, help him uh, become comfortable in, her, in his surroundings. She has wrestled so many kids with disabilities to the floor, and now some of those kids are World Vision sponsors of children in Guatemala, they're praying oh, for missionaries, they are, the, they are greeters at McLean Bible Church. It's amazing how a demonstration of Christian love can change
2: a person's heart. That's the point, right? That's the whole goal. Give her a hand, sir.
1: A powerful pro life message and challenge from Johnny Erickson Tata, who joined Jim Daly and John Fuller for a live broadcast interview in November of 2019. It was really quite an inspiring evening, and the inspiration was not only because of Johnny's words but by her legacy of faithfully following the Lord and speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves. And I hope those of you listening today were inspired as well. And don't forget to join us next time for part two of this interview. If you'd like to learn more about Johnny, let me recommend her autobiography. It's called Johnny, an Unforgettable Story. Next time, more from our guest about how to live out your pro-life beliefs every day.
0: I discipline myself every morning to rehearse whose image I bear. My body might be broken, but I am a God reflector. I mirror a God who was pleased to make me in his image, and that is what gives me human dignity.
1: On behalf of Jim Daly, John Fuller, and the entire team, thanks for listening to today's Focus on the Family program. I'm Bill Benjamin.
4: When you listen to Johnny erickson Tata advocating for the sanctity of human life and you hear all the stories and testimonies she shares, I'm sure that it moves you to want to see all human life being valued equally. The story Johnny shared of the young girl whose parents decided for her that she should have surgery to look better is heart-wrenching. I'm looking forward to hearing the second part of this program with Johnny tomorrow and I do hope you can join us for that. The resource we're recommending today is a book by Johnny Erickson Tata called A Spectacle of Glory, God's Light Shining Through Me Every Day. It'll give you the tools you need to focus your heart on the one who longs to lead and guide you every day and every step of the way. Get your copy when you call us on 031-716-3300 or find it on our website at safamily.co.za. While you're on the website, you'll see we're offering something new. We have some amazing speakers at Focus and incredible content to offer. Now you can apply to have one of our many event offerings at your church. So have a look at all the event options and hopefully we can play a part in strengthening families in this way in your community soon. Thanks for tuning in to Focus on the Family today. I'm Graham Schnell, inviting you back for the conclusion of our program tomorrow when we'll, as always, help you and your family thrive in Christ.